Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. Welcome to 2019 on the feet of a very exciting conversation with Seth. This week, we have two absolutely remarkable humans. They hail from Vancouver. They are currently residing in Victoria. They are two brothers. They are just sweet friends of our friends, Liam and Angus. Max and Aaron, you freaking rock stars, welcome to the cast. Thanks for having us, Steph. Hey, Steph. Thanks for having us. So you might not be twins, but you do come from a family of five boys. And back in December, we riffed with good friends of yours and I think fellow teammates. Once upon a time, you rode with those Todd boys. Yes, I did. Yes. And I will tell you, at the end of the podcast, raved about you both, of course, and said, oh my gosh, you have to talk to Aaron and Max about their life as brothers. And what's funny is it seems like we're riffing actually on some different topics. We talked to them about comparison and, and I want to talk to you guys about being teammates and being in this together. And yeah, they're, they're on the road to 2020 and tis the season of new goals, but this is hardly a new goal for you. This is just one year closer to 2020. Let's start with you, Max, 2016 Olympian. You've already been there. You've done it once. You didn't have a chance to do it with your brother. But what did it mean to you to go to the Games in Rio? Yeah, the Olympics obviously is the pinnacle of our sport in rowing. It's how we base our lives. You look at your lives not in one-year cycles, but in four-year cycles. And I was very lucky to be a part of a pretty special group of lightweight rowers in Canada. And we were able to qualify and compete in the Rio Games. It was pretty pretty amazing experience. And you came off of Rio and you were explaining to me there's no longer a lightweight four. So in order to achieve uh, gender parity and rowing between the men's and women's events, the lightweight four was removed in favor of adding heavyweight women's four. As difficult as that is for myself to handle in losing like my event and one of the most exciting events to watch at the Olympic Games for rowing, I'm a very strong proponent for gender neutrality and e- equality. And I think our Canadian girls definitely deserve the event that they've now been given. And I really hope they can show that it was worthwhile in the end in Tokyo. That That's incredible. Gender parity in sport is something I'm incredibly passionate about. And the challenge is that in order to hit parity, we either need to simply add more women or in this case, take something away from the men. And do you feel like something has been taken from you and, and how did others respond to that change? In some senses, it, it's, it's pretty easy to react quite negatively to an event being removed from the men's side if you are somebody that trains, especially in that discipline. But if you can look at the sport as its whole or even the Olympic movement as a whole, it really kind of calls on what you find and what you value. The Olympics going forward needs to be very dynamic and very smart about how they navigate, I think, the next few Olympic Games. And so gender equality is just not even a question anymore. And I think it's something that any sport in the Olympic Games can't afford to not have. Amazing. To not have it would be, be a failure for this, the sport of rowing, I think. So it's a step forward in that respect and a step forward for the Olympic Games in general. Gosh, thank you. I'm super grateful. And it's reassuring to me to know that this generation of Olympians cares about this enough. Because if you as athletes don't care, it'll be easy for it just to continue. And so that's super cool. Thanks for caring. (laughs) 
I think the athletes care and then the people care as long yeah. as you can convince the people that run our sports to care as much. Seriously. That's like, that's Seriously. the Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's We're some not- old school stuff going on in some spaces. So be on the right side of history, yo, exactly. you know? Exactly. Okay. So you finish the games and you come back and in fairness, your peers are off settling down and having careers and starting different jobs. How did you look at your life and look at yourself and say, I'm in this for four more years? One of the things that made that recommitment to rowing a bit easier compared to the three of my teammates from the four that I rowed um, was that I had to go back to school to finish my undergrad. And going back to school meant like stepping back into the university rowing life where the level of demand on your body and mental strength training isn't quite as high as it is training full-time with the national team. And so it gave me a space to really like reconnect with the sport and find the love for rowing, which allowed me to grow a bit more personally. So I was able to recommit to joining another journey towards another Olympic game. And how far out do you need to commit to that journey? Pretty much. If you want to win, which is the only space that we can really can operate in now, it was within like a couple months post Rio that I was, yeah, this is like, I'm not, I'm not done. I'm not anywhere near complete or reach my potential to where I think I can be as an athlete. And I want to see where that ends. And in order to do that, you need to start working away at it right away. The sense of urgency that we have right now in December, 18 months away from the next Olympics is as high as it was for me right before Olympic qualification 2015. Wow. Um, The growth that you get from going to an Olympic or through an Olympic experience, you can bring that into the years when it's not an Olympic year anymore. Yeah. And that makes it pretty special. Heck, I like this. It's January. I mean, we should have urgency for what the end of 2019 is going to look like if you have urgency for what life 18 months from now looks like. Being able to commit to a long-term goal has led to a lot of positive life lesson experiences. And Mm. I think that's something that we can hopefully share with the people that we are along our journey with. Yeah. Okay. I want to come back to that. I just want to flip it over to brother Aaron. Aaron, when did you commit to 2020? So yeah, mine would probably be committing it just probably uh, at the start of 2016 would be committing to 2020. I wasn't invited out to come try out for the 2016 team, just given my age, just a little bit younger than the rest of the team out there. And after not getting that invite, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to this one. I'm going to go to the next one, that kind of situation. So my focus became very early on in 2016 and given the nature of where the games are going with the removal of the light four and and adding, and then uh, now focusing on the lightweight men's double, I had to switch my discipline to a from a sweeping event so one or to two oars to a sculling event so making sure that my training focuses were now surrounded uh, sculling instead of sweeping and if i didn't say this already we have two brothers that are vying for the two seats in this double but it's not guaranteed for you by any means is it not in the slightest we have right now a very competitive group of five guys and at any given day, someone can come on top and look better than the next guy. So it's definitely a very competitive training environment right now. And are all five of you in Victoria? Yes, all five of us are there right now training every day together. Every day. And for context, your race is two kilometers long, but the kilometers you're putting in training right now are in the neighborhood of what? Anywhere between 50 to 70 kilometers in a day, which is right around between 250 to 300 kilometers in a week. It's phenomenal. It blows my brain. (laughs) (laughs) But what also blows my brains for our friends that might not follow you on Instagram was the day in which you were both literally going back to back breaking world records on the ERG. And this isn't like in a six minute ERG test. 
akin to a race. This was a much longer experience. Can you give me the world record back and forth? Just so we have a sense of there's five of you vying for two seats in a boat, and yet there's two of you. I don't know where the other three line up in your world record rankings, but what what is this like? Well, it's pretty cool. So it was definitely in the springtime last year when we were going for the the 10,000-meter test on the rowing machine, so the agometer. Two weekends in a row, Max, without knowing the numbers, actually broke the, uh, the world record back-to-back weekend. And as a spectator on the outside during that weekend, I was like, holy crap, that's something that doesn't happen at the end of a training week. So obviously, the, the fitness and the mentality was, was there. And so when it was my chance, the following weekend when Max was away, I was able to break the world record and then was able to do it the weekend after as well. So together, I like to say, we were able to lower the world record of the 10,000 meter test by over 30 seconds so it stands right now at 33 minutes and seven seconds under um, whose name under my name era Aaron. Uh, okay <laughs> got it <laughs> yeah, of course. get that in there but get, get, slide that one in there yeah. okay i i need to just ask this it feels we can speak about gender parity and also what it means to be in a sport where you're weighing in your brother's genetically, you come from the sweet same place. Is weighing in a thing for you? Yes. So in our event, it's the lightweight men's event. So when we race internationally, we have to be 70 kilos, which is uh, right around 154 pounds. Yeah. So we do have to monitor our weight and we're very particular about our intake into our bodies. So we're making sure that one, we're, we're, we're punishing the calories that we're burning every day. Yeah. but also giving us the opportunity to maximize the calories and ultimately maximize the recovery. Mm-hmm. So at any, like in the wintertime, we float around anywhere between 72 to 74 kilos. Mm. Um, but as you get closer to the summer, we begin our cuts and we get very, very small uh, and very thin. And our mom's not very happy about it, but we are doing what we love. So the 70 kilos isn't, that, isn't a difficult challenge, but it's something we need to be aware of. Okay. So for both of you, do you find that too, Max? Yeah. I mean, it's not the most enjoyable experience to get down there ever. Within the weeks leading up to a World Cup, it's like you do the volume that we're normally used to doing, except you go home and you don't, don't. stop your face. Like You have yeah. to be very careful about what calories you consume around your workouts. And it's actually, I actually gained a lot of insight in following other athletes on social media or through other podcasts, like the endurance-based athletes that have to kind of monitor their weight around race season as well, because in the sports where watts per kilo really matter, it's like almost get as low as you can while being able to train and maintain. For Mm -hmm. us, luckily, that basement low number is limited for us. So there isn't some magic number where you can keep getting lower, where if you can maintain watts, you'll keep getting faster. But it does put things in perspective. When we train with the heavyweight guys who will go home and eat as much food as they can because these guys are some of them like six foot nine and 225, 30 pounds. Like just like these are just freaks of our humans. Yeah. 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 But then we have these little guys that are tucked in around them who go not nearly as far slowly as you are behind the far behind them as you'd think, but it's because of their uh, really high rate of efficiency. Of course. Efficiency. I want to know about how you lead an efficient life. Let's start with you, Max. What does it mean? How do you do it? For us, it's about you train really, really hard and you recover just as hard. And Mm. it becomes like a 24-7 job. Mm. And maybe when I was younger in my career, I didn't have an appreciation for what that meant. But essentially, the more you can recover, the more you can train. And 
the more you can train effectively. And so when you run a program like we are, where the volume is just insane, if you can recover in between each session more and more, your ability to come back and keep repeating and pushing your body to its limit essentially is just an only an upward trend. Yeah. I want to know about you, bro. Do you think about it the same way, Aaron? Uh, I do like the, the whole work hard, train hard, like race at X, train at X, recover at X kind of situation definitely matters. I think for me on my end, a little more the work-life balance because, you know, you are training for five hours a day. And then within that, you're recovering for or sleeping for 12 hours. And then you, there are still hours in the day that are missing. And for me, it's keeping the mind stimulated during those hours. So you feel like you're not just wasting your time or that you're just dwindling away in some sort of weird state where you get into the Netflix effect where you're just lying on the couch for a couple hours and watching Netflix. So for me, on my end, the one thing I like to balance in my efficient lifestyle, I'd say, was having a good work-life balance where I'm able to keep stimulated and to get my mind off the sport I'm doing because it does take a huge encompassing number of hours in your day. Totally. What is it like, or do you even compare yourself to other people, your age, your, your ripe age of 23? What are your friends doing right now? That's such a, like a, a, a funny topic because it's a question I, I think about a lot, actually. Recently graduating from University of British Columbia out of the Sauter School of Business, there are a lot of opportunities outside of graduating to just to go and get myself a career and start working and get into the workplace, but ultimately choose to choose the life of rowing. I, every once in a while, I get to catch what my other friends are doing in their lives. And my two best friends are, one's becoming a doctor right now at the University of Melbourne. And then his brother is becoming a lawyer at the University of Windsor. And so watching my two best buddies move so much further into their career paths is quite amazing. But they always throw it back to me being like, bro, you're going for the Olympic team. Like, how cool is that? So there is definitely a a balance of witnessing what work life is and then how I manage this as work life. And it's, it's definitely a fun comparison to have every once in a while. But I know that they're following their dreams and I'm doing the same. So there's a a lot of respect for each other and an understanding for what each other is doing. Do you think about 2020 every morning or do you think today's Monday? I'm just going to do the best I can on this Monday. It's the day of for me. Ultimately, the goal of 2020 is also always in the back of your mind, but you can't be so fixated on the end line because you'll get hung up in the struggle that is apparent. If you're not constantly conquering the battles you have every day, you can't stay stimulated and reinvigorated and motivated each day to come out the next day. So um, yes, like you do have the end goal, but there's the little goals that are along each day that make the journey one more sustainable and two, Mm. a lot more efficient and effective. Mm. What about you, Max? When you, dare I say, compare yourself to peers or, or maybe even expectations of yourself, you know, you mentioned the Olympics weren't necessarily some dream for you and now you're going after your second games and first Olympic gold medal, dare I say. Is there yeah. a comparison game? It's funny that you have, you had Liam and Angus on the podcast in the last year. Those two are my two best friends. We've been best friends for probably about like 10 years now. I know I'm always jealous of you. You're, it's, there's always the max stories on runs. Yeah, exactly. Now now I feel like I'm weaseling my way in. The three of us were so close and we have a lot of similarities, but obviously there's a ton of differences in how we've all navigated our lives since becoming really close friends. And we have like this little group chat where we talk to each other every day and they are probably two of like the biggest supporters of what I do. 
whenever those doubts creep in about like, like, Oh God, this is like kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm really not enjoying this right now. Liam will be like really quick to be like, what you're doing right now is incredible. Regardless of what the outcome is in the end, you are wholeheartedly pursuing something that is like well beyond the grasp of normality. And you're pushing yourself to the limit of what your existence is right now. And just to have that opportunity to be that passionate about something like you can't let wander it. And it does just help be in a headspace where things are thriving just to be like, yeah, your life will exist without rowing. That time will come when your body is no longer meant to be the best in the world. But right now, this is your opportunity to pursue it. And so that kind of keeps me grounded in being like, I am very lucky to get to do what I do. Like I'm living out my dream right now and have nothing in the, standing in my way in terms of massive hurdles. Like all the opportunities are there. And that opportunity necessarily won't come, come along in something like this ever again. And actually, you know what I mentioned? You'd the ask time really, is now. Yeah, you'd, exactly. And you'd mentioned the, my three teammates who retired after Rio. And those three have all, or actually those three and then the people that we trained with in the group who didn't make it to the Olympics, but were still like massive pieces to our training group have been incredibly supportive along my journey, even still today, even though they don't row anymore. It's like, Hey, whatever we're doing is, it will exist for you. Time isn't now. So like, do not let that stuff cloud your judgment around training. Yeah. Pursue it wholeheartedly and you'll never be dissatisfied. Right. It's obviously tremendous to have people that care and support the dream because I always say it's not hard to find people to tell you to give up or to quit. And gravity is freaking real. You know, mediocre is the safest place to live. It's easy to come down and just be like everyone else because why not? And there's a million reasons to, to chase a dream, but it's really special to find the people like the Todd brothers and, and teammates that are, that are in it to say like, keep going and celebrate. I mean, I think every erg test, both of you do, we hear about in Vancouver the next morning on a run, just so you know, word travels fast. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Cause like we don't, we only get to race internationally. Like if we're lucky three times a year. Right. And so to get a quick little insight into how are things going, right. Sure. It's all very relative because you could say, Oh, we went this time today. But this week we were absolutely hammered. And so on Saturday, getting out of bed was a struggle. And I'm dealing with like rib pain and shoulder pain and knee pain and back pain. And I've got a massive headache. And, you know, and you go do these pieces yeah. and get these time. It's all relative, right? But then sure. the guys love hearing about the erg because it, there's no conditions. There's no anything. It's just yeah. how fit and mentally strong are you? That's right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I want to know what it means. I mean, cheerleaders are awesome and define gravity and that mediocre pull is brilliant. But Max, what does it mean to you to have your brother along for the ride this time? It's pretty special. A couple of years ago when I was, we, I was actually living in Ontario, training in London, Ontario. That's where our team was based. And Aaron came out to live with me in my house with my roommates. And he was training for the under 23 team in the summertime. So it was like pretty amazing. We get to row together like side by side in two different boats, two different teams, but very much like the feeling of like, okay, like I'm kind of showing him the way here. This is how I train every day. So this is what you are capable of doing. But now we are like so equal that like there's like the big brother. I think I look to him for 
confidence and guidance as much, I think, as he looks to me now because we're just like on the same level. And it's one of those things where because you have a very similar backgrounds in the sport and obviously genetically we have ridiculous amount of similarities. It's like, oh, Aaron can go to Worlds and come fourth place in the single. Oh, I can come fourth place in the single too. Like, you know, it just like it opens up that window being like we are totally – we have so much to share amongst us. You can take positives from the other person and share those experiences to help build your confidence and keep you motivated along the, along the way. Yeah. So rad. Aaron, what's it like having Max as a big brother? <laughs> like Max was saying, it's like, there's just so many similarities to keep things, to keep things positive and opening up the windows to see where we're, where we're really at. Definitely one of the biggest things, though, is having each other, you combat the negatives together. So you're in the struggle together. So when one guy's having a bad day or an off day, the other one is able to read it, assess the situation, and help the situation. And I think that's the, almost the more important bit is that you're sharing in the struggle and you're able to get the someone out of their bad day and into a, and into a better spot, into a better light. And I think that's pretty key with us being brothers is that you're doing it together. And so... When you hear about like, the athletes who are doing these kind of their sports, M- Michael Phelps and Clara Hughes, who both have come out and talked about their mental battle, being an individual athlete and having that kind of struggle. I feel bad for the situation because it, it seemed like they didn't really have anyone to, to turn to on any given mm-hmm. day. And I feel very fortunate and very blessed that, you know, on a Tuesday afternoon when I am mangled or having a bad day i can turn to max being like hey man what do i got to do here to get through this next workout and so i think that is something that's super crucial is that you need that person behind you or in front of you saying we're going to get through this here's a little push or yeah just wa- just watch me do this and you'll get the next time so that right. kind of situation oh man okay yeah, and that's like that's in theory right steph i mean I'd say 90% of the time we can operate like that. And as our teammates can attest to you, oh man, we can go off the handle. <laughs> yeah. The Latimer boys yelling matches on Elk Lake that have gone down are, no joke. Uh, are up there. <laughs> We're like two pretty like intense people. So passionate, passionate. Yeah, passionate. Yeah. And there's times when it, if you're the two intense people in the same boat and it's not going well, it is definitely the other person's fault. And there's no fear about being like, what are you doing back there? Like, why does the boat suck today? And then the reaction you're getting is like, what are you doing back there? You suck today. <laughs> so awesome. it's lucky that like, we have the mindfulness to like, when we're in good head spaces, but every once in a while we're human and the human instinct takes over sometimes. I love it. But it did inspire my next question, which is beyond each other, which I think is a no-brainer. Who do you look to, athlete or otherwise, as an inspiration? It's not necessarily hero status, but when you look out at the world as it is today, who, who do you really look up to? Aaron, do you want to take this one or what? I want uh, to hear from both okay. of you. Aaron can go first. Oh, Max, you can go. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'd say like one of the biggest influencers on my life currently would be Barney Williams. He's a rower, rode for Team Canada for a number of years and raced the men's four in Athens to what I think may have been the most epic Canadian boat in any Olympic final. They took on the three-time reigning Olympic champion British boat that was just incredible with like these knights in it and went literally toe-to-toe within a foot. Their bow balls were separated for 2,000 meters. And if you... Anybody that knows Barney just knows that like he wakes up at a hundred out of bed at a hundred and 
no matter what he's doing, whether he's rowing as an athlete or now coaching with the University of Victoria. He's just like, just so inspiring and energetic and toxic in a good way to be around. He's done a ton for me in terms of the mental side of what we do and how it can be so difficult. But lending advice in terms of being like what you do and the, the journey that you're on and the pursuits that you, that you take. Sure, what our goal is an Olympic gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics. And beyond that, maybe another Olympic cycle, like you never know. But what you are learning day to day will never leave you. Yeah. And everything you're doing is worthwhile mm. because it's very easy to think, what if I don't make it here? What if I don't make this team? What if I don't get to go to the Olympics? All these things. But it's like, no, just what you're doing right now and what you're pushing yourself to do and what you're capable of, it won't be for naught. Like you'll value it in the end. Hot damn, drop the mic. It's like, let's just wake up at 100 and be drunk on toxic yeah. goodness. Yeah. I mean, I would never, I mean, I've, I've I pity his, his wife. Buff Williams is also an Olympic medalist and <laughs> they have a bunch of kids together. Olympic and I, children? Like I, well, the kids are going to be like, they're, they're just like a military family. Like the kids just wake up at a hundred and are just like make <laughs> breakfast and go. Over there. Yeah. It's like, like that kind of stuff is to me is it's like the life happiness level that I hope to achieve one day. Incredible. Incredible. What about you, bro? Unfortunately for me, I just like, I have a hard time. Uh, using athletes as role models just because the stories are all so different and you like, pick, you pick up on the little pieces and lessons that they have to throw at you but mm. I just think that the the story and the journeys just differ so much from myself that I have a hard time relating and so one my, my biggest role models is actually uh, Admiral William H. McRaven he's a retired U.S. Navy guy and he wrote a simple book called Make Your Bed and he gave an important commencement speech. It's about like the little things that you can use to change your life and maybe change the world. And just reading the book, I was able to like the key off on the lessons he was saying. There are little things that happen in my day-to-day activities that one, I want to use to enhance my day, but also enhance my life post-rowing. And Mm -hmm. so the things I'm doing now matter so much short-term, but they matter even more long-term. Yeah, uh, And so those are the things that I, I would really like to hold on to, to really better myself throughout the day and to better myself in the future. Incredible. So rad. Do you make your bed every morning? I do. That's one thing I'm very proud of now is that awesome. I do make my bed every morning. Awesome. I love that. It's, it's a real thing. It's like make your bed, complete one thing right away, first thing in the morning. I love that habit. We're going to wrap. We're over time, but I just can't stop because Max, you brought up mental health and the mental game, which is no joke. And fatigue in your body is obviously a real thing, but mental fatigue is also a real thing. And with mental fatigue comes negative self-talk, comes doubt. It's where the fear of failure and a million other things creep in. Um, Max, maybe we'll start with you, but how do you take care of your brain? How do you take care of your, of your mental health? That's like something, I'm glad you actually brought that up, Steph, because this summer after kind of experiencing what I would consider like our first international success. Can you tell people what your success was? Uh, we finished, well, we finished fourth, <laughs> the classic, you know, first loser. <laughs> we finished fourth at the two World Cups in the lightweight double. And both of those were my first two A-final races. So top six boats racing in A-final. And Amazing. to finish just outside the medals in those two races was a pretty huge step for us, given where we normally have finished over the years. But at those World Cups leading into the World Champs where everything just gets elevated, I definitely dealt with some mental struggles uh, in the second half of summer that I'd never dealt with before earlier in my career. 
And I think it was this shift from taking my expectations and having things twisted away from the healthy place of knowing that you can pursue something full heartedly and where you finish, as long as your effort is pure and true, that's where you'll finish. But then letting the team and being trying to be the best boat for the men's team or trying to lead team Canada and getting outside of my own personal headspace led to some like pretty, pretty bad feedback loop in terms of like anxiety outside of the boat, which led to some sleeping issues. And after worlds and our poor performance at worlds, it really caused me to reflect upon how that happened and how I can better be adjusted for the future. And what I do now in my training breaks is I really, I mean, Aaron doesn't like doing it, but obviously Aaron's a very different person, but like I use other athletes as my outlets because we're lucky to live in the age that we do, that people are so open to share what they've gone through in their careers and ways that they've found to relax. And I find that listening to other people speak like podcasts are one of my like favorite hobbies and mm. audiobooks as well. Like just listening and relaxing and getting a taste for somebody else's life. It really puts the, your struggle into perspective because on one hand, if you're spending your entire life in this rowing bubble where like the Olympics is absolutely everything. Totally. You can go and tune into Malcolm Gladwell who will give you a massive debate about how the Olympics is pointless. And like, it is just one flicker of human life in the spectrum of the world. And so it balancing those two things allows you to find peace. And as long as your pursuits are wholehearted in terms of your effort, then mental clarity and is, I think a lot easier to achieve. Mm. It's such a real thing. And I don't know how we can do a better job of talking about our mental health because it's really easy to jump. It's not easy, but much easier or linear to jump on an erg and pull out a certain number. And it's a lot different to say, how's your mental health today? There's not a number that you can put to it. There isn't a box to, you know, click. You can't just log in, you know, wherever you log your training. I did this today. It's like, it's a journey and it's real. And yeah, I'm grateful think, that we're talking about it now. It's like, especially important to athletes. Cause I think if oh, my personal experience is worth anything, you stuff, you could probably share in this as well is that my happiest place is when I'm rowing. There's days when it's maybe miserable outside of the boat, but if you can get back in the boat and be doing what you love, things just click. But then yeah. we only row for five hours a day. Like there are <laughs> like, there's, there's like, you're not in this boat all day. other hours. Yeah. How do you so find it's like, how, how do you navigate? And, or if, what if things in the boat are terrible? Yeah. You're not enjoying going to practice. It's so like, where do you find happiness and the time to like have peace like in your like Absolutely. where do you find your balance and so when you like, when you get to this level like that is the name of the game everybody yeah. is gonna be like sure we like might significantly break some world record or like you know just a <laughs> tiny little bit like i'm just a little bit fitter than you are but like mentally how are we gonna like sort it out on the race course like totally all decided yeah gosh okay bro what about you i definitely think you raised a cool point is that you know you can get on an erg and you feel so good about yourself, but then you get home and you can't even talk about being on, about mental health. Mm. And I think that's such a cool point is that like, it's obvious Max and I are two of the mentally strongest people when it comes to rowing, to be able to put yourself under that much duress for that amount of time. You have to be only physically tough, but also mental tough. But then it's you, you, the flip side of it is you, you can also be very mentally weak. And I don't think Max and I give enough gratitude and praise to our family because we mm. are one or two of five boys Mm -hmm. and sons of two loving parents. And I think just the simplest form for me is that I'm able to call any brother at any time or any parent at any time and someone will pick up. So if I am having a bad day, 
it's the family time that you're able to connect to. And so the thing for me is that I like, I like to call my dad every once in a while or my mom or just to check in. And so like definitely having the gratitude there to be able to connect with your family and talk about their day to mm. give you another, another perspective on what life is like and then let them hear about your day. And there's just a balance where they can give you perspective on what you're doing and why it matters so much. And so definitely having the gravity so that like, the gratitude to ha- the gratitude is your gravity of being mm. a- alive and part of a family. I think that's the one thing that really helps me battle my own mental weaknesses and such. Mm. That's, that's a really sweet truth bomb. Gratitude can be my gravity. I hope it's the only thing that pulls me down. And it's not down. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, we've gone too far. And I wanted to play a game with you. I failed to play this live with the Todd brothers. And so it feels even more juicy that we get to play it live with you guys. The game is called This or That. I'm going to tell you two things. But in order for this to go efficiently or so that we can hear both of you, we're going to go Max and then Aaron. So I'm going to say something, then Max, Aaron. Steph, Max, Aaron. Got it? Got it. It's like we're rowing. (laughs) I'm your cox. There we go. (laughs) Uh, You guys don't row in a cox. What is it? Coxless boat? You can be be our bowman. We're rowing a three-man boat and you're the bowman. Yeah, okay. 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 Are you ready? Ready. Yes. Dog or cat? Dog. Dog. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Netflix. Phone call or text? Phone call. Phone call. Music or podcast? Podcast. Music. Mm, form or function? Form. Function. Pop or indie? Indie. Definitely indie. Big party or small gathering? Small gathering. Small gathering. Work hard or play hard? Work hard. Play hard. <laughs> What's worse, laundry or dishes? Dishes. Dishes. Bath or shower? Shower. Shower. Sneakers or sandals? Sneakers. Sneakers. <laughs> Email or letter? Letter. Email. Passenger or driver? Driver. Passenger. <laughs> Appropriate. Most important in a partner, intelligent or funny? Intelligent. Intelligent. Car or truck? Car. Truck. Money or free time? Free time. Oh, money. <laughs> <laughs> Coke or Red Bull? Red Bull. Coke. Oh. Paper coffee cup or traveling coffee cup? Travel cup. Traveling cup. Thank you, boys. This is a shout out to the Todd brothers that both said paper cups. Mother Earth. Pour pour my coffee into my travel mug every morning. Good job. Train or plane? Plane. Train. Iced coffee or hot coffee? Iced. Oh, oops. Sorry. Hot. (laughs) He took too long. Meat or vegetables? Meat. Meat. (laughs) Oh, that's a wrap. Okay. With a final question that we wrap, thanks for playing. I wanted to do it just to see two brothers. How close would you be? And I think it was like 80-20. 80% same answers, 20% different. And it's funny, you mentioned the passenger driver. We share a car. And like (laughs) I can count on one hand the number of times that Aaron's driven. There we go. So appropriate. Yeah. Our last question is, what is making your heart beat faster? Training. Training. Right now, the training is so hard that there's times when I'm like, we don't know what our workout is until we show up to do it, like five minutes before we launch. And so that unknown factor makes my heart race. (laughs) Yeah. Are you training outside right now? Yes. All year? All year, maybe. As long as the lake doesn't freeze, we will be rowing. Oh, my gosh. 
Okay, I'm going to show everyone a picture of your hands. That will be attached to this podcast. <laughs> okay, what about you, Brother Aaron? Love of the sport. Mm. I think that's a, it's maybe a generic answer, but ultimately, if you're going to go outside and row in the negative weather and it's raining and you're out there for over two hours, you got to love it. So yeah. it is the love of the sport that keeps my heart racing for sure. Freaking A. Way to go. Guys, thank you so, so much for your time. You're incredibly inspiring. It's really cool to, to hear and to see you in real life beyond the gram. And I hope you know that while it's easy to follow, I mean, we're seriously cheering for you all the time. It's incredible. Pretty awesome. Because uh, like oh. after Liam introducing us to you, like follow and cheer on you as much as oh. you, you may not know, but the try life puts things in perspective for us. I think we, we complain about how tired we are. I'm like, guys, there's people who train like six, seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse, man. Well, comparison kills. It's just, I, I'm in awe. You're incredible. Bring on Tokyo. And, and now I am a part of Team Todd that is massively cheering for you. <laughs> Thanks, Steph. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Steph. Take care. Bye, Steph. Bye.